0: Alright, Say good morning. Let us, uh, let us begin. So begin by thanking our sponsors to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Tebe's Dovia Nina Omen for dedicating all of the Shiurim and this month in honor of their daughter Ayala becoming a bas mitzvah. May she continue to be a source of nachas for the entire family. The beautiful Dafyomi sponsor today, Rabi and Masha Sarah Lowenstein in honor of their precious Shadchan, who went above and beyond to bring them together with much continued akara satov to Dr. Mark Lustman. This is Dr. Lustman's uh, second dedication this week, quite beautiful, for this incredible journey of married life. We virtually celebrate our anniversary with you, wishing Mark and Elsa only health and happiness. Truly beautiful, truly beautiful, from the, from the Lowenstein's. Incredible. All right, so we'll say with that, let us begin. So we are picking up today. Today's daf is daf mem. We are picking up in Mirat Hashem at the Mishnah on Lamed Testament, Bays 39B. So the Mishnah says as follows, We don't soak bran. So we'll say, now literally again, it's for chicken feed. So we don't go ahead and soak bran for chicken feed. But we scald. Now, say, now, what this means over here, Rashi points out over here that by Beroshin, Shein, Manichan, O So, scalding bran literally means you would go ahead and drop bran into scalding water. What that does is it cooks it, but it cooks it instantaneously. There is no possibility for Chimots, no real possibility, ultimately, again, for a Chamits process to occur. So, the Gemara says, Ava Choltin, haisha lo <laughs> Similarly, again, a woman should not go ahead and soak bran in order to take it with her to the bathhouse. So, this apparently would be using bran as a type of soap, a type of cleansing agent. <laughs> but she could rub the bran against her skin when, she's, when it's dry. In other words, the idea would be over here, even though after she's bathed, So her body, her skin has moisture, we're not concerned about that moisture, right? That moisture that's on her body after she goes in and bathes, that moisture is not problematic. Mm -hmm. again, a person should not chew on wheat and put it on his wound. Ultimately again, because the wheat becomes chametz. So we'll say again the idea over there being that the saliva It's the saliva. A person would chew up the wheat to put it on their wound You don't do that because it can become chametz. Good says the Rabbanon These are the items that cannot become chametz. Ha'afoi v'hamavushol Something that is baked, something that is cooked, and something that is scalded in hot water. Which seems to be indicating once something is cooked right, in some fashion, then Halakha it doesn't have the ability to become chametz anymore. What do you mean it can't become chametz when it's cooked? As you're cooking it, it could become tamay. So what does that mean? Amra what it means is something that was baked that you subsequently cooked cannot become chametz. So as we also say, it's almost like on Shabbos we see like in right. Once something is cooked, it's not subject to any further cooking process. So in a similar way, once something is cooked, it is no longer subject to the chimutz process. Tanya Rabbi so Yehuda Omer. So it's <laughs> an interesting halacha. Rabbi Yoseb Yehuda says that if you have flour, and there is water dripping into that flour, even if the water is dripping in the entire day, the flour will not become chametz. Will not become chametz. So the Gemara qualifies this statement, <laughs> Rabbi Papa says this is only if there is a perpetual drippage, right? Only if there's a perpetual, because we both say this, goes back to what we said yesterday, that or a few days, or maybe it was on Sunday, that technically speaking, the Chimot's process only begins when the manipulation of the dough or of the flour stops. So technically speaking, if you're kneading a dough the entire day, the dough doesn't become hummus. So, so too, the Gemara suggests that if you have water dripping into flour and that water is constantly dripping, it's constantly dripping, so it's a constant movement. Excuse me. In the flower, the flower does not become chametz. Da Omri Amri Vatiko Yeshari. So we'll say so the so, Beirabishila, they said this food item, Vasiko, is totally permitted. Totally permitted. So the Gemara says, Vatanyo Vasika sir. I but we learned elsewhere that Vasiko is oh, sir to which the Gemara says, lo kasha. depends how you make it. If you make vasika, which apparently is a flour dish, that is made ultimate, so flour is the ingredient, the shayla is what are the other ingredients. If the other ingredients are oil and salt, it won't become chametz. But if the other ingredients are water and salt, it can become chametz. So this goes back to what we learned as well, that oil, remember again, is like mepeirofs, and the Gemara is assuming fruit juices, and the Gemara is assuming that mepeirofs ain't on machmitsin. So if the vasika is made with water, then it can become chametz. If it's made with oil, it won't become chametz. Amar Marzotra, lo limchi inish kedera bikim khadda avshina. It was an interesting halacham. A person should not go ahead and literally um, thicken uh, a pot of food with flour, even if the flour has been baked in an oven. So i will say now watch this, so obviously the notion of putting flour into a cooked dish in order to go ahead and thicken the dish, so that is something we certainly understand. I would have thought like this, based on what we just said before, once something is baked or something is cooked, it's no longer subject to a chimot process. Well, if that's the case, then I would have assumed that halacha once I go ahead, and bake the flour, then halacha <laughs> lama said there should be no problem of him, I should be able to introduce it into a pot to thicken up the pot, to which the Yomar says, don't do that. Why? <laughs> because it will say, perhaps the flour was not fully baked, and because it wasn't fully baked, there are raw parts of it, and when you introduce it into the pot that's cooking, the unbaked part of the flour could potentially become hamet. So said this is actually a very interesting statement in the Gemara because we're familiar with the minog of gebrochts, right? Where people will not go ahead and eat matzah with any type of liquid, and the concern of so it's strange. At first glance, it's a strange minog. What are you concerned about? matzah is baked? The concern of the men of gibraks is that perhaps, again, there's an unbaked packet in the matzah, which then, if it comes in contact with liquid, could become chametz. Just pointing out something very interesting, that the this concern, this concern already traces its way back to the Gimar, right? So you even have Marzuch over here talking about baked flour, right? Baked flour and telling you, well, yet yeah, maybe you should be concerned that there's some part of the flour that remain unbaked and therefore don't mix it into a pot. Good. lo inish mem, A person should not go ahead and scold. So we're back to the process of scolding, dropping into boiling water. Person should not scald two, two pieces trechiti. Literally, again, two wheat kernels together. What are we concerned about? Dilma, What's the concern? So a wheat kernel has like a little bit of an indentation, a cleft. So the concern is that if you're scalding two wheat kernels together, what happens, or what could happen? One kernel could settle into the cleft of the other, thereby preventing the boiling water from accessing that area of the cleft. If that happens, then it could turn out that one part of the kernel remains uncooked. Remains uncooked. And because it remains uncooked, ultimately it could become chametz. You must remember again, the whole idea with scalding, is that because scalding is instantaneous, there's no concern of Chimots. But obviously, if some part of the kernel itself is not accessing the water, or the water is not accessing some part of the kernel, that's where there could be some type of concern regarding Chimots. V'amra lo inish Abaye said a person should not go ahead. Lichroch literally means to singe. To singe. Two stalks of grain together. Why? Dilma nafki maya mehai Because maybe one stock will go ahead and have liquid which emerges from it, and the other stock will absorb that liquid and come to chimutz. So Rava said, <laughs> so Rabbi says, well, if that's what you're concerned about, you shouldn't even roast one stalk of barley, because maybe, or once because maybe what's going to happen, what's going to happen, that it's going to excrete some liquid, and that same stalk could go ahead and reabsorb yeah. that liquid. Allah um, Amaravar rather says rather we're not really concerned about that. Meperos Ninhu. Siabos say when you have stalks of grain or barley or, or or kernels of grain and they excrete some type of liquid, interestingly enough, that liquid actually has the status of meperos. Fruit juices and therefore even if it is reabsorbed, isa, it does not pose a problem. Meperos in Mahmitzin. Bahadur Bay Abaye Meahi. And Abayi ultimately, again, retracted this. Why? Because anything flowing from an item itself, ultimately, again, any, this is two things, nerves, any, any liquid that comes out of the item is not going to cause that same item to become chomets. Furthermore, again, any liquid that flows, that is not stationary, is not going to cause chimots as well. Domra Rabaye, haychatz da da'avshinah sechifa. This particular barrel that we go, I should say, this particular barrel that you go ahead and you use to roast kernels in an oven. So you put the kernels in the barrel, put the barrel in the oven, you would roast the kernels. What's that? If the barrel is literally either upside down or on its side, then it's permitted for use. Because then the assumption is, whatever liquids come out are going to flow out of the barrel and will not collect in the barrel. Zakifa, but if the barrel is upright, ultimately again, Asr. Because then there's a concern that Halacha Lamei said, the liquids remain trapped inside and could cause chimots. Rava Amrafi Luzikifa, Nami Shari. Rava said, even if the barrel is right side up, it's still not a problem, why? Mepeiros nenu. because remember, any liquid that comes out of an item, has the status of meperos and meperos do not have the ability to create chimo. So meperos enon machmitsin good. Tan rabbanon losisin so'orin orin bepesach. I will say second wide line mem amad aleph. Now, I will say just, just to explain our terms, we had the term lichlot, lichlot means meant to scald. Here, losisin means to soak. See, so I will say it would be very common that they would soak grain. It would soak grain in order to remove the bran and any of the impurities before going in and processing that grain. So here the brace is saying, In Losis and we do not soak barley. We do not soak barley on Pesach. Vim and ultimately, again, if you did soak barley on Pesach, Nisbaku Asuros, lo If the barley kernels literally opened up, Nespakum means per- burst, like if, if they began to open up as a result of the moisture, then they're going to be asr, because that's a sign of chimots. Lo nespaku. but if the barley kernels did not go ahead and open up, then mutaros. Ultimately again, they will be motor. Rabbi says, shoren bechomets, b'chomets som sasan. So that's interesting, says, if you see that the barley kernels are opening up as a result of being soaked in water, no problem, put them in vinegar, and apparently the vinegar causes them to contract. Amar Shmuel, in Shmuel says that does not follow rabiosi, we don't employ this vinegar trick. Amar amar lo mamish, so when we say that the barley kernels are problematic, it doesn't literally mean that they opened up. Ela, kol manichin al Rather it means that if the barley kernels got to a point where if you were to now go ahead and put them on a wine barrel that they would ultimately again open up because of the scent of the barrel of the wine, that's when the barley kernels would be problematic. Shmuel says no, it's only a problem if you ended up soaking the barley kernels It's only a problem if mamish they opened up as a result of being soaked, because we'll say the opening up of the of the kernels is indicative of a Chimot's process. Avod Shmuel of the Bedura de bar Barchashu nispaku mamish, and Shmuel conducted himself again in accordance with his psak halacha. There was a case that came up Bedura de Barchashu in the city of Barchashu and Shmuel again allowed the soaking of the kernels as long as they did not actually open up, good. Amr Rabbah, Bal Lo Yilsos. So interestingly enough, so Rabbah says, a Balnafesh. Rashi points out this is a Chassid. A Chassid, someone who is a Chassid, or in Hagos, they change it to Yare Shamayim HaChared Al Nafsho. Someone who is uh, exceptionally pious, Therefore Rabbah says, Lo he should not soak any kind of grain on Pesach. Don't soak any kind of grain on Pesach. My area I feel the So the Gemara says, What do you mean balnafesh? Only a chosid. The truth is, like we said before, really no one should be soaking grain on Pesach. The ha'sanya, because we learned, Losis we do not soak barley on Pesach. Kamar, this is what it means to say. Balnefesh afilu chitin desheriri lo See, say, interestingly enough, the Brisa framed this as talking about barley. But the Balnefesh will not even soak chitin. He won't even soak grain, wheat. Wheat shouldn't be soaked as well. So the Gimara says, uh, um, Balnefesh afilu chitin lo yolsos. say, apparently wheat is considered to be tougher than barley. So I might have. So again, therefore, on a technical level, there's really not such a problem with soaking wheat. The problem is much more with soaking barley. But a balnefesh, someone who's exceptionally firm and pious, shouldn't even soak wheat. So Rav Nachman said, whoever listens to Abba, right, whoever listens to Abba, Ultimately again we'll say so Rab Machman saying is whoever listens to these opinions, well he's he's referring to over here specifically um <sighs> Whoever listens to Rabbah is going to be eating spoiled bread. And we'll say that if you don't soak your grain before you go ahead and you make your bread, so your grain is going to be of an inferior quality. So that's what he meant when he said, whoever listens to Rabbah, he's going to be eating spoiled bread. He can't he can't properly prepare bread without soaking the grain. Daha be ravhuna l'sasi ube bar abin l'sasi. So say, because after all, again he brings he brings. Rav Nachan brings examples that in the house of Rav Huna, they soaked the grain. In the house of Rav Bar Aben, they soaked the grain. So there are many examples of good and pious and from people who soaked grain. And Rav said, did Rav really say that it's not permitted to go ahead and soak grain? In And Rav said, but we learned in a bright that you're not allowed to soak barley. So it sounds like only the soaking of barley is problematic, but the soaking of grain is not problematic. So Lomi bai kamar. Lomi we'll kevan de ispeit ayol the Gemara says, really what it means to say is like this. It goes without saying that one should not soak grain. Why shouldn't one soak grain? Grain has cracks in it. So because grain has cracks in it, the water could access it, and surely it could become comets. But I might have thought that barley, which is smooth, maybe there is no problem with going ahead and soaking barley. There is a problem with soaking both barley as well as grain. Rava came along and subsequently said, in fact, it is permitted to soak grain. It's getting a little confusing, right? It's permitted to soak grain. The because we learned, Yotzin, B'Pas Nekiah, vahadra. on Pesach, you are yotze your obligation of Matzah, whether you use Pas nikia, clean, literally clean bread, or hadra, which means coarse bread. Now, we'll say, not to be clear, Pas usually usually is made from flour where the grain is washed, where the grain is washed prior to going ahead and grinding the wheat into grain, so the fact that the Gemara says that you could fulfill your obligation on Pesach with matzah made from past which past Nikiah indicates to us that grain can be washed on Pesach. To which the Gemara says, below the sisa, you can't have past nikia without first going ahead and without first going ahead and washing the grain." So Isvi Rat rava suraf papa is the Kasha to rava Vah Sal, Shal Nachrim, kfarim Tohorim. So let's listen to this. The Kemach, the flower, and the Solas is the fine flower of nachrim of Gentiles, Shokfarim, or of or of the villages, Tohorim. Ultimately again, our Tahar. Now, but if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, kfarim Tehorim. Suppose this is very interesting. So the flower, the flower of the villages, they weren't careful to wash the wheat in the villages. So because of that, interestingly enough, there was never the presence of water. Because there's never the presence of water. Remember again, we know that the halachos of tumah dictate that in order for an item to become a Tameh, what has to happen? It has to have contact with liquid. Well, here, this flower of the villages never had contact with liquid, and therefore, it's tar in tamein. But ultimately, again, the flower that, excuse me, that comes from the cities, that is going to be Tameh. Why? Because that flower is, in fact, washed, and therefore, again, because it's washed, it comes in contact with liquid because it came in contact with liquid, therefore it's susceptible to law. Why is it that the flower of the villages is not susceptible to Tomah? It must be because, that again, it's not washed, and yet, even though the grain is not washed, it is still called Solas, it is still called so fine flour, to which the Gemara says, targuma Akimcha, to which the Gemara says, no, 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 the, 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 don't assume that the, the, when we were talking about that which came from the villages, in fact, that was a reference to Kemach, to regular flower. The Gemara was not calling that solas. Because in order to be called less fine flour, in fact, the grain would have to be washed before being ground up into flour. To which the Gemara said, Basar Amar meha. After he left, he said, You know, I should have responded the following. Rabbi zera, rabbi ermi, shmuel. Chitin menachos, in osum. That ultimately, again, the wheat of Menachos are not washed. That wheat is not washed. And yet, v'kakari leh And yet, again, it is still called solas. So see, Sherebo say, there is an example where something could be called solas, and yet what? And yet, haloch ha not be washed. So say, remember, we're focused really on, on a simple question over here, which is, can wheat, can wheat used for Pesach, on Pesach, be washed in water? It was clear that normally they would wash wheat as a way of removing impurities, and making a higher type, of, a better type of flour. The Shaila just is when it comes to Pesach, we have to be concerned that the act of washing the flour could result in some type of chimots process? So we'll say so, so far, o- almost all the sources we've seen seem to point in the direction of no, you cannot wash flour for Pesach, ultimately again, or on Pesach, because of the concern that it may become chomots. So to which the Gemara goes weiter. Hadr amarava mitzvah lilsos, shene amar, es hamatzos. So we'll say, then Rava came along and said. Rava came along and said, No, in fact, it is a mitzvah to go ahead and wash the flower. This is incredible. So we'll say we've just gone from you're not allowed to wash the flower to it's a mitzvah to wash the a to wash the flower. Why shene Amar? Ushmartem es HaMatzos. You shall guard the matzos. Now we'll say, now this is very interesting. So the Gemara says, what does it mean to guard the matzos? What that means is you have to guard the matzos from becoming chametz, which tells us that there's something in the process of making matzo that could cause it to become chametz, and therefore you have to guard it. So the Gemara says, And I will say, I understand that this makes sense, as the Gemara suggests, if you hold that the grain is washed, if you hold the grain is washed, then that's what requires shmirah, right? Because halacha lemaisa, the grain is being washed, water is being introduced. The Torah says, guard the grain when you wash it. But ultimately, again, if you're not washing the grain, then where is guarding required? So the Gemara says, ishim or delisha, if you want to tell me, well, no, you have to guard the matzah when you need it, that's right, when you actually need the dough. That's when you have to guard it to make sure that it does not become chametz. Shimur delisha lav Shimorhu. hu. The guarding of the dough when you're kneading it is not called shimur. now What does that mean? Take a look at the first wide line of Rashi. Lav Shimur hu. I lo shimur mikamehachi. See, I will say, you could guard the dough all you want during the time of kneading. But if the dough was not properly guarded before kneading, then what? Then haloch alamaysa, it could potentially become chametz. So it must be that the shimworth, the guarding, that the Torah mandates by matzah, is by lasisa, ultimately is by the washing of the grain. So Huna says, if you want to eat the doughs of Nachrim of Gayim, you are permitted to eat as much Gentile dough as you want. Of course, provided it's not uh, provided it's not chametz, you can eat it as much as you want, as long as As long as at the end of your meal on the Seder night you eat a Kizayis of matzah b'achrona. In so I will say, interestingly enough. It has to be your last consumption Berishonolo Maitamo Mishundalo Avid Bahushimor ultimately again a both. Look at Rashi just a moment. So why is it exactly if the if these those that this this these these wafers that I'm purchasing from Nachrim if they're not chametz, why can't which obviously I'm eating them on Pesach so they can't be chametz? So why is it that I can't fulfill my mitzvah of matzah with these Gentile crackers, with these Gentile wafers, these Gentile matzahs? It must be why say, because they're not made the shame mitzvahs matzah. That's the reason. So I say, it turns out, the Gemara is explaining to us that haloch ma'isa, in order for an item to be usable for matzah, it is not simply enough that ingredient-wise, you are sure that it's not chametz, but rather halacha la-maisa, excuse me, it must also fulfill mesa matzahs, it must have been guarded l'shem matzah. And the Gemara is assuming right now that the guarding we're talking about must be when you soak the grain itself. If you soak the grain and you soak it and you guard it l'shem matzah, ultimately, again, that's the type of matzah you could use. So why don't we just say that you have to guard it from the time that you bake it and on. Rather, I will say you see from here that you have to go ahead and guard the matzah from the beginning. Then I will say just to to be clear, so the Gemara Rava is using this as a proof to show that not only are you allowed to wash the grain, but you have to wash the green. it's a mitzvah, and when the Torah says "Ushma that you have to guard the matzah, it's guarding it from the time of washing. That's the idea Umimai, mai dilma Shi hasam, debaidna de leshimor, lo ovid leshimor avaha de Badna de leshimor avid. So ultimately, and I will say. So why don't you see over here once again? Maybe halacha it is. We're talking about the needing. Maybe we're not talking about l'sisa, right? Maybe we're not talking about halacha guarding from water such early on, but rather again, ha'chena mi d'shimor d'lisha Then maybe over here it is guarding at the time of needing. That's called shimor. But I will say, despite all of these arguments, so I will say, remember again. The Gemara is unconvinced by Rava's logic, right? Rava's logic is, you have to guard the matzah, which I will say, we're going to see everyone in principle agrees to this idea, that you have to guard matzah. You have to guard it. What makes matzah matzah, matzah's mitzvah for Pesach, is not simply the absence of chametz, but it's the fact that it's been guarded and prepared for the sake of the mitzvah of matzah. Rava wants to suggest that this Shemur begins what he calls Mishas L'sisa, from the time that you wash the grain with water. All the Gemara is just saying is, Ravah, you have not conclusively proven that concept. The Gemara says, nevertheless, Rava did not retract his position, that you have to guard the matzah, even before kneading and even from the time of Lissisa, to which the Amaruhu said, to maha free kifi. He said to some people who were harvesting and bundling wheat during the harvest season, Ki le Shem matsa When you turn over the bundles, Turn them over ultimately again for the sake of the mitzvah of matzah. So they will say this is actually very dramatic because now Rava's are on record as saying that the matzah requires shimur, it requires guarding, almost like a lishma aspect even earlier, right? They will say up until now we were assuming that the Rava says that the matzahs have to be guarded mishas l'sisa, from the time that the grain is washed. Now we're seeing that Rava was telling the harvesters when you go ahead and you harvest the bundles and you turn them over, when you turn them over, ultimately have in mind the shame, mitzvahs, matzah. Mm-hmm. Therefore you see that the Rava holds, mm-hmm. sh- shimor me'ikara, mitchila, sorry, me'ikara, mitchila The Abba said, this is actually quite amazing. You see from here that Rava holds, that halacha for shmira, for matzah, shmartem es ha really requires the grain to be guarded, to be guarded and to have a lishma dynamic to it all the way from the beginning. And I will say, from the beginning sounds like from when? Mishas Kitsira. From the time that the grain for Shmura Matzah, right for Matzah, is harvested, that grain must be guarded and anything done for it really should be done. The mitzvahs matza. Okay, well, if we have time, we're going to see it. I send out the shulchan, we're going to discuss this. Marbrei Rabina. So Marbrei Drabina. On the days. Minak ime ba'arbi. So let's listen to this. So Marbrei Drabina, his mother, his mother used to go ahead and gather for him grain or wheat from the beginning of the harvest season, and she would put it away for him and he would use this grain to go ahead and to go ahead and make his matzah. So we'll say this is just another raya, just another proof to the fact that halo grain used for shmura matzah, really should be guarded, Mishas ketzira, Should be properly guarded ultimately again from the time it is harvested. So the one tells the story. How arba. Ho arba de tava There was a boat carrying grain, and the boat sank. The boat sank. khishta Rashi says the name of a river. It sank in the in the in the Chishter River. So the boat says. Interestingly enough, what happened was as follows: they were able to go ahead and rescue some of the grain, but obviously the grain had been soaked in water. So what should you do with the grain? So Shariy Rava le Lenachrim. So Ravah permitted, permitted them to sell to sell the grain to Gentiles, to non Jews. To non But interestingly enough, not to Jews. Most of this obviously was in proximity to Pesach. Not to Jews, because Ravah felt that you can't go ahead and use wheat, which was soaked. Ace barley, So Rabbah raised the kasha to Ravah. And he said, We'll say if you have a garment and you know that in that garment there was some shatness woven in, but you can no longer identify where in that garment there is some shatness, you're not permitted to sell that garment to a Gentile. What are we concerned about? We're concerned that maybe the Gentile will resell that to a Jew and the Jew will end up wearing clothing that has shatness. Similarly, again, the same garment you can't make it into a uh, into a saddle blanket for a donkey. But you can fashion it into burial shrouds, and then go ahead and sell those burial shrouds. Ultimately, again, to a to a mace for a nahri. So, we'll say the idea being that once something is made for the dead and utilized, then it's not usually repurposed for something else. So, we'll say, what's what's the point of this over here? My taima. So, why can't I go ahead and, if I have a garment, right? So, we'll remember again, shatnaz is not asrban, no. So, if I have a garment and I forgot where the shatnaz is in the garment, so obviously I can't wear it, but yet the Gemara is telling me I can't sell it to a guy or I can't go ahead and make it into a saddle and sell it to a guy. The only thing I could use it for, are tachrichim for a mace. What, what's the pshat? To which the Gemara says, tayma, my taimo, my time lo, lad mishum Yisrael. Because Rabbi say we're concerned that the Nachri will come to go ahead and resell it to a Jew. So Rabbi why is the Gemara bringing this up? So to over here, if you feel, Rava, if you feel that this wheat is problematic, if that's really what you feel, that because the sweet it was in the water, it therefore was soaked, therefore it's problematic, why would you allow for the sale to a Gentile? Aren't you concerned that maybe the Gentile will go ahead and resell it to a Jew? To which the Umar says, Hada mm-hmm. Amarava, you're right. Lizbinu kava kava li Yisrael kame pischa. Rav Rabosei in fact said, you're right. Instead, here's what I'd rather you do. Go ahead and sell it off in small measures. Kava Kava means small measures. Just sell it off in small amounts to Jews. This way, again, the Jews will finish up the chametz before Pesach. That was the logic. They'll finish up the chametz before Pesach, and therefore it won't be a problem. So you both say, again, apparently, Rava was only concerned about selling larger amounts. If you sell larger amounts, that's when there could be a concern that potentially the Jew might end up retaining some of this grain over Pesach. So therefore, Rava said, just sm- sell very small amounts where we know whatever is bought now will be consumed before Pesach. Tan in Ein molalin es ha we're not Rashi says, molalin is b'kemach kare malila, kishenosin kemach latavshil. Shabbos say, molalin means when you introduce grain into a pot of food in order to thicken the food. So, so the Gbraith we actually saw this before. So the Gbraith says, we do not go ahead and put grain into a kidera, into a pot of food on Pesach. What's the concern about? So as we saw before, the concern is that maybe some of the grain is raw, and by introducing it to the pot of cooked food, <coughs> you may come to go ahead and cause the grain to become chomets. If you want to do this, no sinas hakemach, no sinas hachomets. If you do want to add grain, then the way to do this—excuse me—the way to do this is first to go ahead and put in the khamach, put in the grain, put in the flour, I should say, grain, the flour, and then afterwards put in put in vinegar. So apparently, vinegar vinegar stops the chimutz process. So if you introduce the grain and then you introduce the vinegar, you're good to go. The Omrim others say others say the truth is the order actually isn't even all that important. You could first put in the vinegar and then put in the grain. The idea just is that it's the presence of the vinegar which impedes the Chimot's process. So tell me, who is this Yesh Omrim who says that the presence of vinegar will impede the Chimot's process? It's Rabbi this now, because Rabbi said, Ha-ilfis v'ha-kadeira So we'll say this is Hilcho now. Ilfis is a frying pan or a kadeira is a pot <clears throat> if you removed it from the fire and it is still hot. So we so remember again, for Hilcho Shabbos purposes, this is called a kli rishon. A kli rishon. So if you remove a kli rishon, which is the utensil in which the cooking took place, even if you remove it from the fire, if it's still hot, lo yitin l'sokhan tavlin. You should not put spices into that pot. So I was like, because the idea is we hold kli rishon that the primary cooking pot, the primary cooking utensil, in fact, does have the ability to cook. And therefore, halacha de even if it's off the fire, you should not go ahead and put any type of raw spices into it. However, What you can do is, once you go ahead and you transfer the contents of the pot into a dish or into a serving dish, then you can introduce any spices you want. Why? Because remember, again, once you pour it out of the klirishon into a second utensil, that second utensil is a klisheni. We assume that a klisheni doesn't have the capacity to cook, and it's not a problem. Rabbi Yehuda says. Rabbi Yehuda, on the other hand, holds, Um okay. So Rabbi Yehuda holds la kol hu neusen chutz midaver shiyesh ba chometz vitzir. So we'll see if you look at Rashi la kol hu neusen la chominei michael hu neusen tavlin be klisheni chutz midaver shiyesh ba chometz vitzir shachomes mevashlan ba acham So we'll see; it's very interesting. Rabbi Yehuda says that you are right. Once the food is in a klisheni. You could introduce whatever raw spices you want to, because the assumption is that a klisheni does not cook. But interestingly enough, Rabbi Huda says there's one exception to this rule. What's the exception to the rule? If the klisheni contains vinegar, if the if, if the contains vinegar, vinegar or brine, then you can't introduce raw spices. Why not? Because apparently the vinegar and the spi- or the brine will cause the raw spices to become cooked. So what do you see from here? You see from here that according to Rabbi Yehuda, vinegar has the ability to cook. So I say taking now remember for Hilchos Shabbos that poses a problem, right? For Hilchos Shabbos, Rabbi Yehuda says if you have vinegar. In a klisheni, you cannot put any uncooked spices into that klisheni, because the vinegar will cause it to be cooked. But what's problematic for Sh- for Shabbos actually is what? Beneficial for Pesach. Why? Because now what did Rabbi Huda say? You could introduce raw flour into a pot of cooking food as long as what? As long as what? You have vinegar. Why? Because what does vinegar do? Vinegar, vinegar goes ahead and essentially, Hastens the cooking process in other words, it impedes chimots by hastening the cooking process. Therefore, Rabbi Huda says, as long as you have vinegar in that pot, even if there's raw flour, it's not a, it's not a chimots problem. I ben yukma rabiosi. but why not establish like Rabbi Yossi? What does Rabbi Yossi say? This nan, Omer shoren bechom sasan. this is what we saw before that halacha l'maish. So Rabbi Yossi says that you could take, remember again, if you had the barley kernels that began to open up, Rabbi Yossi says, just soak them in vinegar, and vinegar causes it to contract. So once again, you see according to Rabbi Yossi, that said, vinegar impedes the chemus process, to which the Gemara says, Ki ash le Hani mili di'isi beinei. Well, say according to Rabbi Ossi, when is vinegar powerful enough to impede the chemos process? That's only when the vinegar is by itself. Aval ta'aroves, low. But when the vinegar is mixed in with other things, then according to Rabbi Yossi, the vinegar does not have the ability to impede the chimos process. So Rabbi say, it's a machlokis and in vinegar. Interestingly enough, a machlokis and a matthias and vinegar between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Huda, both agree that vinegar has the ability and capacity. To impede and prevent the chimot's process, but Rabbi Yossi says that's only when it's vinegar by itself. Rabbi Huda holds that halacha l'maisa, even if the vinegar is mixed in with something else. To which the Gemara says, Ula Amar, Ula said, Echad vi Echad asr. The truth is, either way it's aser, either way it's aser. And as we will say, ultimately, so Ula says, whether well, you're putting the vinegar in first or you're putting the vinegar in second. We don't introduce raw flour into food on Pesach. Why not? So the Gemara says, Mishum l'cha l'cha aminu nazira, s'char s'char lekarma." So we'll say, this is the expression, or "Lech leich aminu nazira, s'char s'char l'karma. So we'll say, what well, we tell the Nazir, just the imagery is, if you see a Nazir walking towards a vineyard, and he wants to take a shortcut through the vineyard, what do we tell the Nazir? Go around go around. <coughs> Don't walk through the vineyard, go around the vineyard. Aye, but there's no problem with a Nazir walking through a vineyard. Right? At the end of the day there's only a problem with him drinking, right? Consuming the grapes or the wine. To which the gemara says conventional wisdom is that when something is usar, stay away from it, stay away from it. Suulla so says we're not going to even enter into the issue regarding the use of raw flour in a cooked dish on Pesach. Because that could only spell trouble. Therefore, halach says whether you're using vinegar or not using vinegar. Vinegar before the flour, vinegar after the flour. Either way, we don't do this on Pesach, ultimately, again, in order to avoid any kind of trouble. Raf papa, shari bordiki de beireish kalusa, lememcha kadera bechasisi. So, this is very interesting. So, Raf papi, Allowed the bordiki, rachels bordiki are the bakers. He allowed the bakers in the house of the reish Galusa to go ahead and thicken, thicken the uh, cooked dish with Khassisi And I will say, Khassisi is baked flour, baked flour. So apparently, felt once the once the flour is baked, as we saw before, once an item is cooked. It is no longer subject to the Chimot's process. See he felt once it's baked, it's no problem to allow them to go ahead and put it in a pot of food which is cooking. So Omar, Rava, So both said, but again, I so just want to be clear. Beforehand we were talking about raw flour. Rough puppy felt that ultimately again with baked flour, it is not a problem to allow them to introduce it into the into the pot of cooked food. Amar Rava. Rava said, So Rava said, Could it be that someone would permit this type of practice ultimately again, in a place where there are servants? In general, Avodim's servants were not known to be exceptionally scrupulous or meticulous with Halacha. So Rava is astounded that Rav Papi would allow the servants to do this because it's asking for trouble. The servants are going to cut corners. You tell them baked flour, they may end up using a different kind of flour. So how could it be that halacha Raf Rav Papi would allow this? Ike Amri, others explain, Rava gufa Machile Other b'chassisi. Others say what it was is Rava, Rava himself would go ahead and add the baked flour to the cooked dish. So we'll say in this alternate version, Rava was against the use of servants because you can't trust them, but Ravah felt if you're willing to do it yourself, right, you're willing to do it yourself, then ultimately again, and you know that you could be meticulous and you could be careful with the type of flour that is mixed in, ensuring that it is only fully baked flour, then in chinami, that would not be a problem. Bosa, let me just use the one, one minute for halacha I say this closes out the Sogya. So Bosa, I sent you this halacha, this PDF of the Shulchan Aruch in the, in the WhatsApp chat. And this is a very important halacha. Now, I'm going back now to the fact that the Gemara introduced us to the concept that matzos require shmira, right? Matzos require guarding. So we had a whole machlokas as exactly when the guarding, so to speak, has to begin. So the Shulchan Paskins, this is in Tof Tafnun Gimel Sif Dalid. Shulchan says, hachitim she'osin bahen matzos mitzvah. The grain that is used to produce matzahs mitzvah, which are the matzahs that you are going to use to satisfy your obligation on the night of the seder, tov l'shomer shaloyiplu alehem mayim mishas ketzira. Ideally, ideally, you want to guard them from the time that they are harvested. That's ideally what you want to do. You want to you want to guard the guard the grain from the time that it's harvested, that no water should go in and come in contact with the grain from this harvested. Ulufachos, mishas And I will say, at least from the time that the grain is ground into flour. So ideally, mishas you wanna guard it. You wanna guard the wheat from coming in contact with liquid from the time that it's harvested, at least do it from the time, ultimately again, that it is ground, but I will say, listen to this: ubishas But in a time of extenuating circumstance, likach You could even purchase flour from the marketplace and go ahead and make your Shmura matzah out of that. Out of that, which means as long as you guard the matzah mishas lisha from the time of kneading. Ultimately, again, it is matzah that is usable for shmurah matzah on the night of the seder. Which I will say, just so you understand, all kidding aside, the reason why shmurah matzah is so expensive. Well, there's a variety of reasons. But, I say, but remember, if you ever look on the box of your shmurah matzah, what we today call shmurah matzah is shmurah mishas ketzira. It is guarded, the wheat itself is guarded, so to speak, it's guarded... From the time of harvesting, you'll you'll almost always see those words on the Shmura matzah box itself. And so we will say so again because we we use lechatri the shmura matzah. Be dievet, if you can't get it, Shmura mishas ktsira, at least mishas tchina and Bishas Hatrach, You could even buy flour in the supermarket and go ahead and use that to make Shmura matzah. You would just go ahead and guard it. You would guard it from the time of the kneading and on. All right. we'll say, Stop yeah. over pick up brings a Shem at the Mishnah tomorrow.